Welcome to Crafting a Revolution, the podcast. My name is Katie Freeman, and I'm your host. This uh, first season of 2023 will be focused on makers and artists who identify as female or non-binary, and I'm happy to bring each and every one of these individuals to you. Uh, in conversation. So the this episode is in conversation with Ellie Richards, and Ellie is a furniture designer and sculptor interested in the role the furniture and domestic objects play in creating opportunities for a deeper connection between people and their sense of place. Ellie looks to the tradition of both woodworking and the ready-made to create eclectic assemblage installation and objects exploring intersections of labor, leisure, community, and culture. She has traveled extensively to investigate the role play and improvisation have on the artistic process. Her work, both furniture and sculpture, have been included in exhibitions at the Mint Museum, Center for Craft, Creativity, and Design, SOFA Chicago, and the Society of Craft, Contemporary Craft. Most recently, Richards was awarded Wingate Residencies at the Center for Art and Wood and in the Wood Furniture Design Programs at San Diego State University and the University of Wisconsin-Madison. Additionally, she maintains an active teaching schedule sharing the fundamentals of woodworking and artistic practice with a breadth of audience, including appointments at Yester Morrow Design and Build School, Appalachian Center for Craft, and Haystack Mountain School of Craft. She is currently a resident artist at Penland School of Craft from 2020 to 2023. Um, excited to have a chance to chat with Ellie and learn more, understand more about her process of creating, um, what it's like to be in residency, especially with a young child and a partner. Um, just so much conversation that I am happy to share with you. Before getting into the conversation, however, I want to give a big shout out and thanks to the patrons over on Patreon. So thank you so much, Matthew from Artigiano Serio, Candice C.J. Woodgrain, Lee Lee Runyon, Annette 513 Woodworks, Katie Thompson, Women of Woodworking, Kevin Lefty's Workshop, Christy Twisted Twine, Jeremy Jeremy Spies, Sammy Go Sammy Lee. Don't mind that. That's my cat's going crazy. Um, Rachel at Moody Makes, Laura Oakley Soap Company, Brandy Studio Obey, Ellen Little Bear Furniture, Ethan, Ethan Carter Designs. Thank you so, so much for your continued support um, with the podcast. So let's hop on in with conversation with Ellie Richards. Um, well, we can dive in and I do like to start by asking my guests to introduce themselves. So would you do that for me? Yeah. Hi, I'm Ellie Richards, and I'm an artist working in Western North Carolina. Uh, currently, I'm a resident artist at Penland School of Craft, and I primarily make um, sculpture and furniture and sort of am pretty interested in the space that exists between those two things and the relationship between them. So I stay pretty busy in my studio. I'm a hardcore maker. Um, have a wood shop and my, a studio that I love to be in. So. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I'm going to see, I'm trying to, I'm at least filling out paperwork to propose to do like a seminar or, you know, a class at Penland to teach one. Um, right on. So we'll see. Fingers crossed. Yeah. They're always <laughs> looking for new um power carving instructors 
So mm -hmm. I know that's a, that's a popular thing and we're well set up for it. Yeah. I saw that. I saw just like a post from, um, I follow like the Penland Woodshop or whatever mm -hmm. account. Yeah. yeah, I saw that. I was like, oh, look at all those angle grinders and all the <laughs> stuff. I was yeah. like, yeah. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's really set up well. Um, okay, well, I'm going to take a step back and just ask, like, in a broader sense, what is the story of Ellie from, like, you know, baby Ellie? Like, where were you born and grew up to, to how you found yourself? Um, in a residency at Penland now. Cool. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I guess I grew up small town um, outside of Erie, Pennsylvania. Um, so sort of right by, it was sort of like a lakeside town. Um, and I, uh, I loved it there. I loved growing up there. We had one of those streets where uh, you didn't really have to knock on anyone's door. I know it's, it sounds so quaint, but it was just, it just, it was just comfortable. Um, we, it was a dead end street. Um, and, you know, there's just a bunch of kids running around. And it was like, the only thing I really remember from that time, because we left when I was, I don't know, 10 or 11, was, you know, you just couldn't wait to get outside and play with one another. And so it was like, my, childhood is sort of chaptered by living in this small town outside of Erie and when we left to go to Pittsburgh because of um my dad's employment um that was a shift for me into adolescence and into you know living in the suburbs and going to high school and all that stuff so um if we're talking about beginning beginning I always think of that time um, and I think fondly of it. There was a lot of imaginative play and pretend, you know, we'd pretend our bikes were cars and we'd be washing them. We'd have fake keys. We had a corn field and at the end of the dead end street and we would go play in the corn field and build forts in there. And we had like a whole little, like children's society it was, it was or economy even like we used to like use these little paper like plants that looked like coins and we like actually exchanged with those um I don't know I could go on I guess on that little start to you know just kind of being I, I had the privilege of being sort of free and and I could play and um, that sort of was a strong foundation for me and has left a huge imprint on how I make decisions in my day-to-day -day now. Um, of course, there's a lot of deviation when you're growing up, you know, high school, college, like, and then, you know, what are you going to, what was I going to do? What was, what were my interests? And I, I bounced around a lot, you know, I, I was, um, not sure about being an artist. I loved my art classes in high school and felt most comfortable there and most uh, engaged and stimulated, of course. Um, but I wasn't quite educated on how that could look as a life because I didn't have any adult artist friends. Um, my parents, um, my dad was a sort of in managerial type positions and working with people. And my mom was, uh, working in hospitals. And so they both did not have the title of artist or even creative person, but they cultivated a sort of envir home environment that um, encouraged creativity. And so that means for us, you know, there was always um, paper to, and crayons to draw with. That meant that they themselves cared deeply about the objects in the home. 
um, and where those things were placed um, and how things looked. Um, and so, you know, we grew up, I have two brothers and I'm in the middle of those, those two characters and we're all about like two or three years apart. And um, we, uh, we love each other, you know, dearly, but of course, when we're growing up in a small house, small town, we definitely, yeah, it was tight quarters. So um, yeah, there was times when I, all I wanted to do was escape, you know, I didn't want to be <laughs> with my brothers at all. And um, that led to like me kind of burrowing into my own little mental landscape, I guess, and feeling safe there. And um, I, I felt very comfortable, you know, uh, being alone or playing by myself, you know, after we had left, you know, Erie and was sort of finding my way as an adolescent. Um, but I felt a bit like a loner, you know, during those days. And uh, that also has carried with, you know, stayed with me through the years. Um, so anyways, I guess what I was gonna try and bring up was, um, we were in high school, we were taking art classes, um, I don't know, I guess, <clears throat> like I did, like I said, I didn't have like this <clears throat> artsy family that was like, this is what you can do. But I did have like <clears throat> my grandfather who he had a home wood shop and um, he uh, <clears throat> made the kitchen table that we sat at, he made, you know, some of the sideboards that we would keep, you know, I don't know, home stuff on. And so my granddad's sort of <clears throat> position in our life was that he was a maker um, and a furniture maker. So we had a lot of like handmade wood objects in the home. And um, so like a lot of people were like, oh, well, yeah, you have woodworking in the family. Like that makes a lot of sense. And even furthermore, my great grandfather was a, um, he was involved with the Hammer Mill Paper Company, which is just a big paper company back in the day. But basically what they did, and my granddad ended up working for that company, but they were, they would go out into the forests of that area and scout for, you know, good trees to take down lumber for the paper company. And so my granddad has a degree in forestry sciences and so did my great grandfather. And all of this is like not relevant to me at all. Like growing up, like I just like didn't ask or like didn't like, it just didn't matter to me. Like I don't, I loved them, but I didn't, it, it just felt separate from me. And so, um, yeah until I started, you know, down the road and like in college taking 3D design classes, foundation art courses and using my hands to build again. So build three-dimensionally, um, started being introduced to tools um, that could facilitate this type of making. Um, I began to, you know, be very drawn to using wood as a medium for a lot of these beginning projects. And I was really lucky that like one of my 3D design professors was also a, a furniture maker. Um, he went to the program of artisanry in, in Boston. I think it was called the PIA or something like that. Anyways, it's it was sort of a, a conduit for a lot of really strong furniture makers in the studio furniture field. But my professor Gary, like, he just sort of was very humble and was just like teaching 
you know, college kids and like kind of had it in his back pocket that he had like all of this knowledge about fine furniture making. And, you know, as a sculpture undergrad, there's only so much space that you can deliver that type of information. And so he slowly tapped and piqued my interest with, here's a hand plane, you can do this with that. Here's how you're really gonna safely use the table saw for the rest of your life. Like these are, this is what you gotta know. And like was right there with me to like, you know, help me practice these things. So feel really fortunate for that encounter in my college education. And at that point I had decided I was gonna do art education. I was like, I'll be an art teacher. Um, I don't know where I wanna end up, but at least there's enough freedom in that, like that it could be open. I liked that. I liked that there was an openness, but there was stability, <laughs> like all this stuff. By the time I was finished with my undergrad, I was like so hooked that I couldn't conceive of going into a classroom at that point. Like I was, I was like, oh man, I just, I'm just getting started. I don't have anything to offer truly. Like um, I need to do this myself for a while and maybe circle back to coming into a classroom and teaching. So you know, I had just applied to grad schools at that point and um, just like jumped ship, found a great program in Arizona and um, kept going. So yeah, like it was like undergrad grad right away. You know, I just mm -hmm. wanted to like ride this wave. And uh, was your graduate degree in sculpture as well? It was, yeah, it's an MFA in sculpture with a focus in wood. Okay. Yeah, it was a wood program. Okay. Yeah. Did you continue in, because like, hmm, maybe this, this is probably just me in my head trying to connect the dots, but like, at least what I see in, you know, the graduate programs where I'm at, like, <clears throat> sculpture specifically tends to be um not necessarily focused in like sculptural functional objects but just like in um like visually pleasing or interesting or you know um something that's much more meant to like look at versus utilize like a piece of furniture or um, yeah, yeah. Object within your home yeah. type thing. Mm -hmm. Like it's definitely like very separated between like the 3D program. We do furniture and the or objects and the yeah. sculpture program is doing, you know, more like stuff for like installations or that kind of work. So mm -hmm. I'm just curious, like with your program, was there like an integration of like it was under sculpture, but you were doing like, yeah, no, that's, yeah, that's an interesting, like, yeah, thing to kind of pick at. Cause it's, for me, I liked the program because my main professor, Tom Eckert made it really clear that this was not, you know, a furniture design program. Um, it was not purely sculpture we were using wood as a medium of expression and the role of craft in it was still very important. Um, and like we defined craft, you know, in conversations with Tom, like together, we kind of reached an understanding that craft was something that didn't have to end up looking a certain way. It didn't mean that like your dovetails were seamless and all that, but it sort of meant that like your effort and your intention and like those two things kind of met each other um, in a way that like felt, I don't know, like honest or like, mm -hmm. I don't know. It, it was like, we looked at it like 
what's your intention for this project? And then like, are yeah, you're just not cutting corners. You're not like, you know, there there's integrity to the building yeah. process in the program. And, and like, I think in maybe some sculpture programs, the conversation is much more weighted towards um, like theory and concept. And you have to, in some cases, sacrifice how you build the thing, you know, to get to those other big yeah. ideas that are priority yeah. at the time. But for some, somehow in this program, we were kind of grounded in that a little bit more. But like I said, it wasn't like we're making, this is a program that makes fine objects in wood yeah. or fine furniture. And so that worked out for me because I wasn't quite sure about furniture yet at that point. I just knew I liked building with this material and I liked the way it responded to tools and stuff. So, um, I don't know, like the, I ended up making installation, uh, interactive, like sort of installations. Um, and the whole reason I left that pro when I left that program and ended up kind of meandering towards Penland and these other schools was because even though I said that, yeah, we have, we had a good foundation in using craft to, you know, finish our projects, it, I still was missing a lot um, because it's grad school and there are a lot of demands on you. And like, you can sometimes only take your craft so far. Yeah. And so I was learning about these schools out there um, across the country that provide condensed immersed opportunities to, to learn something new and to really tackle a new technique or skill and do it around people who are trying for the same thing. And I think, it was, yeah, it was in my last sort of semester, I applied for a scholarship to Penland and came and took a cabinet making class from the president of North Bennett Street School. You know, it was, I knew that he would have these sort of I don't know, we could talk about carcass construction and, you know, joinery and drawers with drawer fitting and all these things that like I was reading about in books, but they were too, it was too difficult to, yeah. Yeah. So that's yeah, I my find that I find that a similar <clears throat> experience, like, you know, being in the 3D design program, like we're definitely focused on like furniture and uh, other like decor or functional objects like lighting and stuff like that. Um, and we're not just using wood in the program, which I'm enjoying because I've spent so much time in wood that it's just, um, it's really nice to stretch myself and like just learn about other technologies yeah. and materials and stuff like that. But I do notice like, kind of like you said, with grad school and so many things kind of pulling at your time, like there's not necessarily a lot of time spent on like the craft of creating those things. And I think I have a, maybe a little bit of a leg up because I've spent so much time just on my own, like learning these things that, yeah. you know, I can already get it a little bit more finished or polished than like the rest of, you know, the kind of the graduate program. Um, and that's not throwing anything at them. It's just experience. Um, and then in contrast, like definitely in the sculpture program, I will totally say like, there is no focus on like craftsmanship uh, right. level stuff. It's more about like getting your idea out there and just like getting your idea across versus like technique and skill. Yeah. Um, which is just super interesting to me. Like, but, you know, I think maybe it's just the way that these programs have been designed from school to school. Cause like, yeah. I've talked to people who, you know, went to SCAD or RISD or whatever. And it's like, there's just a different level of 
depending on where you go on what the program's totally. like yeah, yeah it's almost like completely dependent on like where you are and where you go and who you're studying with like and what their personal ideologies like ended up being yeah. and like yeah. if you subscribe to that and you're like vibing with it then like that's great um because I think ultimately everyone's gonna arrive where they need to arrive mm-hmm. um but it's just gonna take some people a different route like, yeah. like I would have loved to go into grad school with a foundation and in, in like a more of a foundation than I had I would have mm-hmm. been able it took me a while I was in grad school for like three and a half years just because I had so much catch up to do and that's why they say don't go straight from undergrad to grad but um yeah I'm not I don't know regrets over here but um I uh yeah it it was difficult um to not which is interesting I would say most of the people I'm in actually all of my cohort I think for the most part um in grad school has gone straight from undergrad to grad um I'm the only like um, student Mm. there and it's yeah I think each comes with its benefits benefit number one of going from grad to undergrad is you still have no responsibilities inside of of school (laughs) yeah oh so to live that life again (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah so you I mean You went and took your the cabinet class at Penland, and then has is it a story of you arrived there and you've never left, or is it? <laughs> yeah, no, uh, I had a good time. Um, I really was enthralled with the region. I thought it was quite beautiful, the Blue Ridge Mountains. But I was living in the desert at the time, and I still had a lot of work to do um, in finishing my program and figuring out what was next. And at that point, I learned enough about residencies and what that could look like and was putting applications out. And again, was like, I got to put off teaching. Like, I, I taught all the way through grad school. I did, you know, right. I was still teach, but I was just like, I can't go in full full bore right now like I'm just getting started <laughs> like, um, like I can't and, and I think so that's, it was true again like I I wasn't ready to go into a university and you know I yeah that's yeah. a long story but like it's yeah. I I wanted to do what I was doing in other places and um so I did that for a few years, a um, couple of residencies um, at really great places, um, Anderson Ranch in Colorado and Peters Valley in New Jersey and um, the Appalachian Center for Craft in Tennessee. And so all of these places, more of a focus on craft, um, on being in a wood shop. And then I was also taking on uh, technician sort of the technician role or you know managing summer programs and things like that as well as being a resident you know artist and maker in space and so I was really exposed to you know being around people making around people I learned that I was really energized by that um, that this whole myth of being an artist alone in a studio had no bearing for me. I, I knew that, yes, I like my focus loner time, but this is pretty radical to have so much in common with so many people all around the world. Like, um, I, I want to follow this thread. And um, so... I guess, yeah, I just, another job came up at Penland that was managing the wood shop. It's called a coordinator position. And at that point I felt really confident that I could take this on. You know, I had changed enough bandsaw blades. I had maintenance enough tables. (laughs) And I had worked around people and proven that I can, I'm energized by that. And like, that I can like all different kinds of people, ages, 
backgrounds. It was, it could be, um, I'm gay. I was game for that. And so, yeah, the job came up and I applied and, and, and got that job and then moved here a couple of years after grad school, I guess. Mm -hmm. So that's how I came back. And I worked for like four years in that position. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, I think um, there's been, I think a lot of discussion maybe lately, like the difference between art and craft and yeah. is there a difference or is it just a matter of like you know what term resonates with you more uh than others because <clears throat> I think I find at least like you know I've got young kids and I remember being a young kid and when I heard the word artist or art and same with them like kind of what comes to mind always is like paintings and drawings and like that's an artist right like somebody making things with wood or metal or whatever that's not like that was never something that I saw out in the world as like what was art yeah um and 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 I think that might have changed my undergrad path if I had realized like that there is a whole world out there of like schools and programs with working with other things other than painting and drawing because yeah. those are not my uh, strong suits at all. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um. Um, yeah, so just curious, like, especially now that you're at Penland, right? Like, I feel like Penland's known as like a school of craft, but yet, like, I mean, it's in the title, right? Penland School of Craft, but um, but yet I feel like so much of what is done at Penland and the people that teach there or residency there is art. Yeah. Um, yeah. So just curious, like kind of your thoughts on, on that yeah. since you've played in both worlds a little bit. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I guess I kind of view it as a spectrum. Um, this whole art to craft. Yeah. Relationship. Um, and I think it is a relationship. I think that they both can belong to one another um, in different ways. And um, I think that, you know, where I'm at right now is a place in a school that values both ends of that spectrum and leaves room um, to exist in, in either one, like for as long as you need to. And then mm -hmm. who knows, something might happen and one blends into the other. And, um, you know, either you're really focused on your craft for a little bit, or maybe an idea, you know, a technique plants a seed for a, an idea, and then you're, you're moving towards that. I think ultimately, it's just like, yeah, again, like about vision and um, intent and uh, expression and communication. So like, if you're communicating, or, or like, what are you trying to communicate with your medium? I definitely like the core craft media. I think you you can use, it's all fair game in art making. Um, but I think that it gets stuck, th these core craft media get stuck in a rut when they exist, because um, they, they often exist just purely related to, to functionality and like mm -hmm. utility and so there are certain cases where like a piece of furniture is is a piece of furniture but then there's other cases where a person makes a chair and it's a part of this like long arc and dialogue that's been going on you know uh 
since people started making things that's yeah. like it fits into this this context I think a lot of it ends up being are you aware of how you fit this or what way that you're that then becomes something um late water expensive like what is art so artists because my ideas lead me places um but I'm also a craftsperson because I can't reach my ideas without the tools that I have like actual physical tools and then like yeah. tools of like yeah metaphorical <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah I think I mean when you when you said the word technique that's something that I've maybe uh thought on you know struggled with over the years of kind of creating my own business type thing and that is like the idea of what I want to make comes first and then depending on my level of skill like that idea has to change because I don't know how to necessarily um create an aspect of it or you know and so uh, like my final product might not be like the dream thing that I wanted to make yeah but like that's that part's so exciting to me like all the negotiations that you had to make with your skill level your material your resources at hand um time like all of the things that life throws at you in real time like IRL <laughs> like not in your dream world like when things land in space um there's all sorts of yeah it's, it's a it's a negotiation it's a dance it's a um conversation between this vision that you have um maybe it's on paper maybe it's in a drawing and then like your execution and like there's people that like are way closer to like idea and like the thing that gets made mm -hmm. um but I am a type maybe similar to you that's more interested in that like uh space where yeah things begin to shift because you're not so much making compromises but you are actively presently making decisions that mm -hmm. you've sort of created a, like a fluid framework to work within and then, like things are kind of like you know kind of wobbling this way and that I like that because oftentimes like the thing is maybe not the dream thing but it's got all of these other questions embedded in it and things that you learned and like it took you to this place and this place is going to take you to that place and yeah it's you can only do so much in my world. I can only plan so much before I have to uh, mill the wood, cut the wood, and then get to the next decision because yeah. I got that physical thing in my hand. And that's one reason why working with wood is so, uh, I feel so in tune with it because there's a direct feedback. It doesn't really go through like chemical transformation, like glass, right. ceramic. And so, I I adore that about it because I can see when I work subtractively what I'm getting and I can see when I'm working additively what I'm getting. Um, so. Yeah, so, I mean, clearly your medium is still wood that you're uh, in love with. What is your, uh, and I, I can't blame you there. I still very much, <laughs> um, even though I have enjoyed this semester of not doing anything with wood uh right now i'm i'm working on a commission that's due by the end of this week that's carving and i'm just like oh i miss this <laughs> yeah, cool, cool. Like, yeah. speaks to my heart but what's your um 
what is your, I guess, studio practice? Like what are the types of things that you are creating right now? Um, so, I don't know. Okay, so I have a lot going on. Um, I, I'll start small and go, go big. So for smalls, like, I felt like it was important to have, I always like to keep my hands busy. And so if I don't know what my, I don't know, like next big series is going to be or thing that I'm really going to sink my teeth into, I will still develop little strains or little ideas that I don't, get me working with color, get me working with texture and like, just kind of like get the ball rolling. And so one way that I'm doing that now is through wearable stuff. And so it's like a very small scale, like for, I have these, um, you know, tiny, uh, these are like little oh. tiny chair earrings and little like ruler earrings and things. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if there's moments in my day when I feel a bit, I don't know, need to just want to do something, but not, I'm not feeling focused or motivated enough to, you know, do the, this important thing that I think I have to do, which like, it's, it's all like kind of the same, I think. Um, anyways, different moods. I have different types of work that I make. The jewelry is very repetitive. Um, it's at a smaller scale. So, you know, I, I can do it. I can plug and play with it. Yeah. Um, and then I actually took up, um, this tufting thing. So it's like using, it's like carpet making technique. And I took it up because I thought it would make a really cool surface to, um, upholster something with. And, um, I'm actually just having fun making actual rugs. And I think I have some just down here right now. Um, but I'm making a series of like, sort of like board game type rugs. Mm -hmm. So I've done checkers and backgammon and tic-tac-toe. And so I have a lot of fun um, doing that. And again, it's like, I, as much as I love wood, it's like, this is a, a totally new medium and, way of working and I like what it's brought to my studio. It's a new way of working with color. Um, and I'm able to, oh, you still there? Oh yeah. 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 Um, so, so there might be an evening, you know, where I'm able to come back late in the evening and I can just tuft for a little bit um, mm -hmm. where there might be a day where I'm not sure of the next move on another sculpture. And so I, I toughed. Um, so then there's that. And then like, in terms of like production, you know, scaling up from jewelry would be like lighting and small, small tabletop goods. Um, so blood vases, um, small sculptures, um, lamps there's a few in the background that you kind of see and these are all sort of test kitchen-esque like in my mind I go into you know what if I was an industrial designer or you know how would I produce this in a way or can I reproduce this and um is there an efficient way to make it like I'm trying to tackle these like production mm -hmm. ideas and so it ends up being okay, I learned a lot from this. And like, I'd end up not wanting to make it again, <laughs> but uh, it's it's all in, in sort of this vein of, it may be one day I connect with a manufacturer or something and, you know, have this product reproduced um, or like a line or a collection. Yeah, I was, I was gonna ask you that is like, is that a, a thought of like really what you're producing maybe is the prototype yeah and like potentially someday having you know 
a, a company or a manufacturer pick it up and and yeah uh, mass produce it type thing something like that it could be okay. yeah and yeah um so that that would also sort of so that goes from like lighting and like tabletop stuff and then like move that into like chairs and i'm sitting in one right now but it's just like these like sling back chairs with felt and uh there's like another one yeah i didn't see some frames yeah. and things um and so this is another material that i'm inviting in um which is like a wool felt mm -hmm. and also like i'm working with leather and so um that that create like a sling in a chair so mm -hmm. from there i move into um, my sculptural work, which, um, is, I'm moving into a new series right now, but I don't know if I can, I don't know if I can show, I don't know, it's that big red structure in the background. Oh, yeah, yeah, I can <laughs> um, see that, yeah. Okay, and, um, I don't know how helpful that is, but anyways, <laughs> I'm making things that are, like, using furniture as a jumping off point, um, but then entering into um, another sort of realm that's more just activating space and your physical self and asking, you know, viewership to kind of participate by like moving in and around, but not necessarily like using a chair to sit passively in, but to see something that kind of looks like a chair and it, it's sort of asking different questions as a piece of furniture it's asking you to perform in different ways so like mm -hmm. maybe it's these like open-ended sculptural forms are um sort of like scaffolding and there's a lot of they're kind of like jungle gyms in a way mm -hmm. um and so with my sculpture work i'm usually um talking about like elements of um play and imagination and pretend and then using furniture and um it's sort of ability to ground us um as as one of my pillars pillars mm -hmm. so, so do you so here's like always my kind of big question that pounds in the back of my head because i'm always trying to figure it out for myself which is you're producing all this work all this great work like how do you find the audience to purchase to make this something that is sustainable yeah so um you know I'm, I'm out here hustling um <laughs> yeah <laughs> I uh I have two galleries that I work with um one's here at the school Penland gallery one's in Charlotte North Carolina and I am selling online I started to use my own web shop and Instagram shop to be a source of um revenue and Let's see, I, for the longest time, and I still do this, uh, take on teaching gigs, uh, visiting artists things. Um, I was working for the Furniture Society as their proffer greater good fellow, which was an amazing position um, for two years. And um, I'm starting now to prioritize because also I'm new mom and you know I I'm really starting to have to put funnel vision on because there's only you know so much time yeah <laughs> you're like you're, I'm just making me kind of really kind of uh, I don't know how to say it just get really severe about the direction that I need to the thing priorities so yeah anyways a lot of like um I, I want, and that means I want to be in my studio as much as possible. And um, so less of that these days, you know, less, you know, workshops and stuff like that. But 
I'm about to submit to um, this company called Art Artful Home. So I'm starting to like go outside of, you know, my own little network a little bit more, had enough time to prototype stuff. And yeah, the, it's like, I, I wish I had a clear picture. I'm so here, it's, it's kind of unfair too, because here at Penland, you get people walking in to your studio. So every mm -hmm. two weeks in the summer, you have a flood of like 150 people coming in. And that's why I have this room. This is like my showroom. And so gotcha. everything in here is for sale. And, you know, this is a winter, it's quiet times and everything, but typically I have to have this room on point, you know, everything priced out. And then once a year, there's or a couple of times a year, the board comes. So these are people who are like, this is the audience, you know, it's like collectors, mm -hmm. patrons, and, you know, uh, just craft uh, intellectuals. And like, it's, it's a big deal, you know? Um, and the reason I say it's unfair is because it's just, it is like not reality. And like, right. it's just like, like <laughs> be, I can't carry this forward into yeah. my next situation. Um, yeah. And so I have to constantly ask myself, like, yeah, I don't want to rely too much on that. And that's why it's like everything in here needs to exist online. And it's just like, a, a you know, this is sort of like testing grounds. And that's what it is really is like the, the way I look at it is like when people come in here, the, the residency has been so valuable to me because I can see what people are responding to. Yeah. Um, and, and like, yeah, like Instagram does that too. You're like, oh, like how many likes did this get? But it feels a little bit more skewed. And yeah. like, it's like really you're like people like picking up something and being like, oh, I really like this or something. You know, it's just like yeah. helping me like be like, I'm going to go in that direction because I like the energy that it's getting. Yep. from. Yeah. Yeah. I will say like that has been as somebody who has spent, you know, until now almost seven years like basically on my own creating things in my studio and then just like trying to like shove it out into the world and like yeah somebody come find me type thing yeah um what I've thoroughly enjoyed at grad school so far even though I mean everyone's going through this program to be a designer is just like the constant feedback yeah. on my work yeah like, I'm like, oh my God, like, I love this. Like, I know instantly, like when you're seeing this first, you know, in a 3D model on the screen, how are you reacting to it? And then once I get to move it to like scale models or whatever, like how is yeah. each, how is somebody reacting to it? Yeah. And that's like invaluable. Totally. Yeah. It's so I mean, much, you know, yeah. So much like more robust than yeah. making a post and like being like, did that go well? Um, yeah. it's just like, no, like that is some robust feedback and, and it's yeah. moving, it's condensed and you've got like two or three years to like drive that forward. So there's a lot yeah. of momentum involved. Yep, exactly. Um, also, uh, congrats on becoming a new parent um that road is rough I understand yeah. <laughs> um and I also understand like prioritizing studio time I mean that is uh honestly what jump-started my business is you know having a young toddler and a newborn and feeling very disconnected from myself and being like how do I reconnect and time in the shop is you know creating that space and a reason to be there was like that's what did it because um yeah, yeah. Uh, eventually you end up feeling like just a source of comfort for somebody instead of like your own singular yeah. being so, yeah yeah. Yeah. No, that sounds like really tough. I don't know. You do more than one. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's so a wild road. Um, I have 
a really supportive partner that has been watching Otis during the day and has allowed me to come in and have these chunks of time. Um, and there, yeah, Miles, my partner, has just given me the gift of, you know, getting to continue to tap into this flow of, mm -hmm. of whatever's happening with the residency, but also having Otis in our lives is like adding so much. And like, um, yeah, it's, I look forward to, now that he's a year old, you know, like we've come, gone through so much, you know, we're so excited to see him thriving mm -hmm. and like getting stronger. And like, all of this is very like, it's like a new frontier. Um, mm -hmm. And now like Otis is like one of my main, like, um people I want like feedback from like yep. what is like climbing on this like do you like yeah. it like do you like <laughs> so yeah he's, he's like my main guy right now um and that's part and of that like, will just continue I will say oh yeah good I, I wouldn't have it any other way yeah um, yeah my kids are my 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 biggest critics um <laughs> <laughs> they tell me exactly what they think is wrong with every oh, design wow. if they like oh, it yeah. um they're also great at like social meet being little mini social media managers i'll just throw that out there as well oh, right on. yeah as they consume yeah um, that kind of stuff like youtube and whatever yeah you know, they have a good My oldest especially will tell me if I'm being too cringy or not on uh, <laughs> <laughs> mom <laughs> you're embarrassing me <laughs> yeah yeah um well I I guess I want to ask one final question because yeah. this is again I'm being selfish with with your time to ask things that I'm curious about but how has um residency like worked being a parent like because that's one of those things like of course like I'd love to have like a Penland residency at some point in my future right. but it's like you got how the, do you yeah. do that yeah with me? yeah well I've having worked at the school for a number of years um was able to witness sort of uh, a long-standing precedent of the residency supporting families of a lot of that looked that were structured in a lot of different ways so um I'm yeah not the first one to have a baby during their residency or bring children with them this so I would say first like finding ones that support you and your family but also like I was recently um thinking about this because of another opportunity that might come up down the road and it was like I just said you know Miles and Otis need to come with me in order for this to work um how do y'all feel about that or like do you are you set up for that you know and just like yeah it made me feel kind of good, like, just to, like, lay it out there, and, like, this is my expectation, and, like, there's no reason, like, you shouldn't support this, you know, like, it, it you know, it's just another form of access, it's, like, you, you I, I just sort of, like, and I'm gonna carry that, that's, like, attitude forward, is, like, we can make, make this work, like, yeah. you may not have made it work before, but like, let's get our heads together and think about how we can make this uh, productive, um, beneficial, you know, well thought through experience for all parties. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and that comes with me having a partner that is able to be flexible with his time. Um, and also me being able to be flexible with my time. And so we share, you know, so much of the labor involved in caretaking. Um, and we both believe in 
carrying forward our vocations. Um, he's a photographer and, you know, it's really important that he's still taking pictures and that I'm still getting in the shop and um, trying to do a sort of, okay, it's your turn. Okay, it's your turn. Okay, it's your turn. So like that. And so, um, you know, I was um, in residencies with people who had families. There was one at Center for Art and Wood and my friend Josh Ank had a family and he just straight up said, he's like, I, I've been planning for this for like two years, you know, like it, a lot of planning, um, a lot of prep. So like nothing is like really like get up and go, but it's like, you know, lately I've been thinking like two or three years, like just like kind of like what's the, that kind of look like, even though things will change and whatnot, but it's like, that's sort of with the kid, like you have to start looking that far ahead even far like people are probably like that's it like, like that's all I can handle right now but like um yeah I don't know if yeah, I, I think I think probably my biggest thing is like you know I I didn't really know anything about this world of like yeah. residencies and the potential of this yeah. until rather more recently just the last yeah. few years yeah and you know my kids are like school age now and so I'm like I can't just like like I feel immensely guilty even considering like uprooting their lives and doing this whatever program right. or how do you make it work within like school breaks or whatever you know yeah so, yeah and like so, yeah, yeah totally yeah and you and that's that's it that's that's the challenge and then you yeah then you start narrowing it down which ones and maybe it starts with like a two-weeker or like a weekend even or like yeah I there's I'm very um I'm I'm one to say yes and figure it out later (laughs) (laughs) I get that yeah (laughs) oh yeah that has worked out to my advantage and also to my disadvantage (laughs) yeah yeah Uh, yeah absolutely um well we're at the end of our uh, time together so um i do want to give you a chance to let people know like how they can you know find you and follow along with you through you know online social media whatnot um so yeah, how can we how can we follow along with what you're up to? Cool. Well, um, yeah, first thanks Katie to making this awesome podcast happen and cultivating this cool, chill, safe space to discuss, I don't know, life in craft <laughs> and this not so cool chill thing sometimes. <laughs> um it's yeah, it's it's been so wonderful to yeah, to watch and to listen to this program. And I'm really honored to be a part of it. Um, yeah, I am going to be here at Penland for another year. And then my family will uh, be bopping around a little bit. Um, probably back to Los Angeles for my, um, where my partner works or had worked before coming here. And um, I will be always be uh ellie in the woods on instagram Uh, maybe maybe not always but that's sort of my station to um you know let kind of share my story as as we do on these platforms but i really look at instagram as just kind of um you know just telling telling my story keeping myself accountable for what i'm doing and what i'm making Um, It's a space for me to think about um, what I'm doing and keep it in some sort of string of a narrative. And I I enjoy that process. And I think it's, um, who knows where it will go, you know, Um, not really stuck in any sort of like idea about it, but I know that I like, I like that form of um, expression. And, um, you know, my website is, you know, always trying to keep that that up to date as well. And um, 
so yeah, I, uh, I just, I'm out here if, if you want to connect and totally down for it. I also have um, a live work exchange. And so I'm always looking for assistance and people to work with and collaborate with. So if that's the case, um, I'd love to hear from you. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Well, yeah, thank you so much uh, as well for coming on and connecting and especially uh, from parent to parent, I understand how valuable weekend time is. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for yeah, spending sure. that time. This is great. I, yeah, it's, we're just on the cusp of holiday good times. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad to get, get this the time in with you. So thank you. Well, yes, thank you. All right. So again, that was Ellie Richards, and I will include the links for her um, website and her Instagram in the show notes so you can see what she is currently working on and where she will be for shows and um, workshops and all the good stuff. So you can check that out in the show notes for today's episode, which you can find in the episode description on your favorite podcast app. It would be amazing if you could head on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And if you would like to support the podcast in a more ongoing manner, head on over to patreon.com forward slash crafting a revolution and check out all the options over there. All right. Um, I hope that you enjoyed this episode and see you on the next episode. In the meantime, uh, let's go craft a revolution. She, her, them, they got something they want to say. Solution for the toxic masculinity. Pollution is the constant evolution. Of